So I ended up going on Steve Harvey. He flew me out. They literally called me at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday and we and said, can you be on an 8 p.m. flight? We want you on the show tomorrow and then you'll fly back tomorrow. And I was like, okay. <laughs> They're like, bring nothing. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. Woo, woo! All right. And today we have the lovely Katie Blomquist. And Katie lives in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, no. Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, way better than Myrtle Beach. Maybe, I, I don't know why I had Myrtle Beach on the brain. And I knew it was wrong. As it, you have those moments where as it's coming out of your mouth, you're like, wait, I need to stop saying that because I know it's wrong. My reaction was, oh, no. And then I thought, oh, that was so rude. <laughs> A lot of people think that way about Myrtle Beach. Katie has a really cool story and has done some really amazing things for her community. So I'm going to let her share about that. So Katie, tell us about yourself. Sure. I was a teacher at a low income, high poverty elementary school here in Charleston. And I taught first grade and a little boy in my class, Juwan, and I really extra connected. And he was really unmotivated and just was struggling a lot. And I thought I need to bond with him outside of school in order for him to like gain my trust and really listen to what I'm saying. And I wanted to show him that there's all these cool things in the world you can do. You have to get through school first. So we went to the fire truck museum and real restaurants where, you know, he would have to look someone in the eye and order and wait for your food, not like a fast food place. And we went to plays and just all different life experiences, the music store so you could learn to play real instruments, stuff like that. And on his birthday, we were out having some fun activities and he asked me for a bike. And I could not believe, here I am, a teacher in this poverty-stricken environment. I'm well aware of the socks and the shoes and the beds and the coats and the books and things that kids didn't have, but I never thought about some the things that bring us joy, the things that we take for granted as a child, something like a bike. And so I couldn't afford to buy one. When I said pick out a gift, I was thinking more like the $20 price, but I could not stop thinking about it. So I started asking other kids in my class, do you have a bike? I was wondering like, is this just him or is this a, a common thing here? And I came to find that most kids did not have a bike. And if they did, they were old, broken down, rusty. So I thought if I do a GoFundMe, someone's going to fund just that one bike in a minute. What more could I do? So I thought after, I can't leave anybody out in the school. A lot of these kids, when they go home, that's when their stress starts. Home is not predictable or safe. And a bike would give them the freedom and escape to get away from it. It gives them joy and ownership of something of value. And a lot of these kids, they don't even have a bed to call their own. They have nothing that's theirs. And a lot of them have lost their innocence because it's been taken at a, at a young age in a variety of ways. And so I thought I have to get all these kids bikes. I did a GoFundMe and got all 650 kids in my school, a bike lock and helmet. And it went completely viral. Like I ended up raising over $80,000 in three months. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. It was yeah. I told you. So how, <laughs> well, I'm like, I need you to slow down with logistics for me, right? Of like, so I just posted on GoFundMe and boom, $80,000. Yeah. The way it went viral was, it was happening right now in 2016. I launched it the day after Labor Day. I was literally in my pajamas on the couch watching Friends and just made the GoFundMe and started sharing it. So a lot of my friends and family started sharing it. And within 24 hours, we'd raised like $1,000. And I could not believe it. And because mind you, this none of this is even tax deductible at that point. This was just a GoFundMe. And so people started sharing it. And then there was a GoFundMe contest. So anyone that had a campaign that had anything to do with the school, even though my the schools don't benefit when we give bikes, it's our means to reach the kids, to give them the bikes to take home. It still wasn't involving a school. Right. So whoever could raise the most money in a certain amount of time won $10,000 for their school. And I won that. So when there was this huge check presentation at my school, the superintendent came, every single media outlet came. It was just tons of positive publicity. When the Post and Courier wrote about it, they wrote about us like five times. Steve Harvey show, they saw it. Wow. And TJ Maxx partnered with Twitter and they highlighted five women doing good things in the community all over the country and highlighted each of us by ourselves for two weeks. Between that and Miss America was involved doing videos, being like, we've got to help this girl. Like it was crazy. So I ended up going on Steve Harvey. He flew me out. They literally called me at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday and we and said, can you be on an 8 p.m. flight? We want you on the show tomorrow and then you'll fly back tomorrow. And I was like, okay. They're like, bring nothing. The answer is always yes to that. It's always yes. Yes. (laughs) They're like, don't bring anything. We're going to do your hair, makeup, and dress you. I literally went on the airplane with a big purse that had like pajamas and face wash. Like, I was like, what is happening? (laughs) The weirdest, I'm literally sitting in my green room by myself being like, I have no one to share this with. It was wild. But after it went on Steve Harvey, that's when it just went insane and my phone the gofundme app was like dinging every few seconds of people donating so yeah we ended up raising over what we needed we got all 650 kids bikes we gave the bikes march 31st 2017 so i knew when we gave the bikes it would go viral again because all the media outlets that had first covered the story were going to want to show the follow-up plus a million more that hadn't covered it to begin with so i made sure to have my nonprofit going places founded by the time of the bike reveal so when i was on all this national media i could say now it's a nonprofit. It's tax deductible. We raised $40,000 overnight because of that. So I finished out the school year and then started running it full time that June. So here we are three and a half years later since I've been running it full time. And literally in three weeks, we're about to give 500 more bikes to kids between two schools and keep pushing along. We've got four programs. We also provide Halloween costumes for kids that can't afford them. That's all volunteer based and don't product donation. We don't buy any of the costumes, but we go into the schools with a thousand costumes on clothing racks and any kids not dressed up get to come pick one out. We also provide the staff that work at these schools with gifts of joy. So not just the teachers, but the day porter, the front office, kitchen staff. I mean, we've seen people cry over a cup of coffee. I'm going to cry right now. I didn't know all that. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have a, a final program that 
was developed because of quarantine, where we give what we call bundles of joy, and they're gift bags full of fun activities for the family to enjoy together at home over during quarantine. Because a lot of these families, they don't know how to spend positive time together. They don't have a car. They don't have money. They don't know how to interact. And we found our bikes were creating family time that never existed before. Parents were going with their kids on their bike to the park and spending time together. And these are kids would tell me this who'd never talked about their, their family before. And now it was like a fam- they were doing things together. So we gave in the bags things they could all do as a family. So like a kite, puzzles, Jenga, coloring books, crayons, um, a little terrarium to watch it grow, and a bunch of fun stuff like that. And we had an Amazon wish list, 300 items between 120 bags. People just funded within a couple weeks. I had like everything shipped to my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> this really great program and we're like quarantine or not let's do this every year for summer for these families to have something to do together over summer so those are our four programs but the bikes are the only thing i spend 99.9 percent of my time on the bikes fun you know that's something we put money into and fundraise for gotcha gotcha and now we've talked about what you started with this nonprofit, and now you're also helping other people who have big ideas of how they can get back in the community. It was an actual student that you were doing these things with? So the student, Jawan, in my class was the one that inspired me to start all this. And he's now in sixth grade and we're still really close. Like I just took him to pick out his Halloween costume and out to lunch. And he had his first burrito ever. Like it's just so much fun. He's become really close with my parents. He and my dad share a birthday, which just seems really that's, meant to be yes, yes serendipity yes. and that's why i wanted to circle back around to that because i don't think people truly understand like what that means mm-hmm. like she is a teacher who didn't have to be like mm-hmm. oh i'm gonna hang out with this kid on my time and take him to these mm-hmm. different places and share this show him these opportunities and these possibilities because that really doesn't happen that much my mom was a teacher and i remember that very clearly growing up and she was a teacher for special ed and we would have her and my dad would plan these big picnics for the kids in the park and that would be their only like mm-hmm. fun thing yeah. and she would bring kids home and they would shower at our house and that was the first time maybe they've showered that week and she would give them fresh clothes mm-hmm. and things like that and nowadays though I don't think that would be allowed <laughs> and so the well fact I think the boundary is different yeah it would be different like you could bring them to the Y sharing that kind of experience yet no but I hear what you're saying yeah but I I think think that's amazing that she did that especially now because it's even more rare now than it was back then when I was a kid and was seeing it for myself with my mom doing it I wasn't the only one that did that kind of stuff I work at these low-income high poverty schools you're there not because you love education you're there because you want to be a positive role model in these kids lives working at these schools Mm-hmm. Usually with low-income, high-poverty, they're called Title I schools, comes extreme behavior. I don't really know many Title I teachers that aren't on an anti-anxiety medication because of the high stress. I don't have actual anxiety in real life, but when I was a teacher, I did. And it's to the level where the amount of pressure put on you by the administration and the amount of things you have to cover is literally impossible when your kids are a grade and a half below grade level and it's on you. Why aren't they grade level? I could go on and on. I had a first grader bring a knife to school to stab somebody with. 
it's that level of stress. Yeah, you're expected to be the mental health therapist, the social yep. worker, the yep. parent, yep. the auntie, the friend, the, the case teacher, manager. the case manager. Yeah. The you're expected to be everything mm-hmm. to 32 children. To teach them social skills. That's, yes. that's actually part of our curriculum. And that's not in That the should be part schools. of every school. That every <laughs> curriculum. In the more affluent families, parents are teaching their kids, I know you're upset. We can't act like that when you're mm-hmm. upset. What do you say? You learn how to behave. For instance, when these kids would get will get angry, they'll often take chairs and throw them across the room. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't do that growing up. Because I didn't see my parents doing that. I right. didn't see, that wasn't what I did at home. This is how they've learned to deal with anger. And a lot yep. of these kids have gone through the actual PTSD already right. from things that have happened or they've seen their parents killed in front of them. I mean, well, we it's... know some kids that watch their dad get killed or their house is raided by police in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. You imagine how terrifying that is. They come with guns and they flip the furniture. They come to school and they talk about that like it was nothing, but it's still affecting them. And so we have to teach them how literally... What kind of face? I make a face. Is this the face that looks like I want you to come over and talk to me? Maybe when you see someone make this face, maybe you should give me, if you have a friend, you act out like how, look at your face. You know, do you think that you, you just have to teach them how to read cues from other people because they just modeling, don't yeah. learn that. That's part of our curriculum. Like we have an actual thing we follow, a script we follow for that. So it's high stress. And that's why we have the program where we provide the gifts of joy for the staff because these kids are bringing the stress in their home life, not just into the classroom, but into the cafeteria, into the hallways, their parents in the front office. And it's, we gave these a pot of living, which is a high-end resort wear clothing line here. We gave every staff member at the school, they got to come pick up two free items of clothing. And the kitchen ladies were always really like grumpy. After that, everyone swears they became nicer. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was after someone did something nice for them. And yep. They got those nice clothes. They yep. changed yep shifted something in them. Right. They felt valued and appreciated. Exactly. Yep. And it's yeah. what people don't recognize and anywhere where you're working with those who live in perpetual crisis, mm-hmm. right? Like people in poverty live in perpetual crisis. Your stress that you're experiencing is a secondary trauma. You're experiencing trauma for them on their behalf. And all of the school staff and the teachers, and if you're not completely jaded and burned out and cynical, you're going to be impacted by it. And even if you are, you're still going to be impacted by it. You're just not going to be aware of it. You're just going to get more pissed right. off. <laughs> and this is why it's not just me. It's not like I was this one great teacher that did something for a kid. So many teachers at these low-income schools mm-hmm. regularly take out kids and do stuff. They go to yeah. their baseball game. They keep in touch with them. They buy them things. They mm-hmm. take them places. It was just I got highlighted because the GoFundMe campaign. So it all stood out. But no one knows about all these other teachers that are doing these things every day too. Mm-hmm. So it does happen a lot, which is really nice. And Jawan's older brother, he's in high school. One of his teachers gave him a bas- an old basketball hoop for mm-hmm. them to keep in their driveway. Teachers still are doing stuff like that, which is really great, but they're not bringing them into their homes to shower. Right <laughs> no, that's, that's, we do not condone that. Take them to the gym, take them to the pool, whatever. My sister and my niece are both teachers in mixed income schools, but there's one Christmas that mom came in, I don't know, it was like the Friday before Christmas. And she was like, I know I should have come to you earlier, but I have no gifts. 
I went to the guidance counselor at my sister's school. Mm-hmm. I have no gifts for my kids. I don't know how we're going to pull off Christmas this year. Dad had died a couple months before. They were totally like there was four kids and my sister put out the call and my department at my hospital, like they ended up with the biggest Christmas ever just because somebody asked for help. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is you have to be willing to ask for help. And not, but not only that, but had she not asked, there's other kids in the school. Like you talk about people don't realize that a lot of these kids don't have mattresses at home, that they sleep on the floor. Or the couch or they share a bed with people that they're sleeping on bed rolls like mm-hmm. it's sleeping bags it's not even and even as a social worker I didn't work with kids so I wasn't aware of that until I had a conversation with my sister I've probably been in the field for eight or ten years at that point but it wasn't in my forefront because I was always in hospitals I was worried about the adults having places to sleep I wasn't even thinking about the, you know what I mean it wasn't even in my field of awareness I think it's really important that we talk about as a community what can we do to have those conversations where you be in this role where, you know, yes, you're a first grade teacher, but you can look at your class and look at the kids and saying, okay, look, you know what? I know I can't fix everyone's problems, but what can I do to make this community a better place to be? I think the answer to that is becoming more aware of the local nonprofits that are in your area and find one that is working with the kids in the schools near where you live, because you can have a direct impact. People from all over the country donate to us, which we are so grateful for. When we say we're buying bikes for these kids, I'm the only employee. Like our overhead is super minimal. So <laughs> it's you, just me. Like, I do all the things. Like I get paid what I made as a teacher, which South Carolina gets paid like worse than the country. So it's not a lot where your dollar is going when you donate to us. And so people that literally live right here in Charleston and we buy bikes and then they see those kids on those bikes. They're like, I know my money bought those bikes. Mm -hmm. You could see them people. And because our bikes are custom made and it's a great marketing thing that we have going, people remember them because this year's bikes are white and neon orange and they're named the adventure that, and they have our logo on them. If you see that bike a year from now, you're like, Oh, I saw the going places bike. And my roommate was driving home from work and was like, oh my gosh, literally a kid darted out in front of traffic on a going places bike today from last year. <laughs> did you, t- did you, were you like, did you take a picture so I could follow up and make sure that I can, you know, tell that child not to go dart out in traffic in their bike? Literally, I almost hit him with my car. I'm like, oh, a board member did not hit a child. Our kids on a bike, on a bike. Not be good. PR. <laughs> um, but no, it's just my point is like people remember that had we be if we were giving regular bikes, she would have never known that that was one right. of our bikes. That was genius and on that your is part. Very and what made you decide to get all of the same bikes? So I hadn't initially planned it when I was doing the initial GoFundMe. I reached out to every bike shop in Charleston and outside the Tri County area, and only one bike shop re- responded and they were like, Hey, we actually have a program where we make custom bikes. Let us like make the- help you with these basically at cost and let's make them really special. So I was like, okay, I had no plan. I, I was just going to go to Walmart and make it. I didn't really know. I, I was playing it by ear when I did this the first time. So it was so great. When you see 500 bikes, in a long row, all identical, and they're in a, a white and a neon color, you don't realize however it's an ocean. And so now every year, the thing is, we've switched to a, a national manufacturer, Kent Bikes, because we are making the exact same bikes, but it took like $10,000 off the cost. Mm-hmm. And so 
now every year there are different color and different names. So the first year was white neon green. They were called the future. Then they were white and neon yellow and they were called the pursuit white neon red the purpose and now they're white neon orange and it's called the adventure so every calendar year so it makes it really special and really neat what are yep. they going to be like here and then it helps us when we see them out it's like oh those were 2018 bikes it's just a fun you know way we do have a bunch really of leftover smart. bikes so this year on december they're actually going to get some from last year but that's okay <laughs> yes i'm sure they're going to be totally fine with that <laughs> what, what do you have for 2021 have you planned it yet um, we haven't decided. We have picked the school. It'll be Lambs Elementary. I actually haven't announced that anywhere yet. So exclusive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I'm like so excited that you, you just shared that here. First. Yeah. <laughs> Lambs Elementary School, and actually the principal there was the used to be the vice principal at my school when I did my initial GoFundMe. So I know her really well. She's great to work with, especially when everything's so uncertain right now. It'll be great to work with someone who's flexible. We have to change stuff around next year, not knowing with COVID what's like going to happen a year from now. But our biggest goal, Giving Tuesday is December 1st coming up. And I don't know if you know what Giving Tuesday is or any of your listeners do, but it's the biggest day of global giving for nonprofits. And it's the day that launches the, the giving season. It's always the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And that's typically the biggest day of the year nonprofits raise most money. And our goal this year is $20,000 and 8,000 of that is to buy bikes for there's 80 kids between two schools here where I live in Mount Pleasant, which is a really affluent high end part of town. But there's still kids that are bust in from deeded land and some trailer parks in this area that go to those schools. And there's only 35 kids in each school. And so or 40-ish kids in each school. And so we want to get them bikes too. So we don't do a full bike reveal when it's that situation. We do what we call a mini bike reveal. Mm-hmm. And we do names out of a hat, but the only names in the hat are those kids. So they don't feel like they're being, you know, that's stood awesome. out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And all the other kids are genuinely excited for them. And so our goal, eight of the 20,000 for our goal on that day is to get the money we need for that, which we'll do in the spring. And then the rest of the money will go towards the bikes we need for Lambs Elementary School next year. And on Giving Tuesday, we actually have several companies that have been, are willing to match what we make, or one company's matching 500, one's matching several thousand. So one's matching the 8,000. We have all, everyone's dollar will grow. And so that's a huge plus to donating to us on Giving Tuesday is your dollar will be doubled, tripled, some cases quadrupled. It's people always love to know when their money will go further. And right. if they just wanted to know how much a bike lock and co- helmet costs, it's about $100 for a bike lock and helmet total. Okay. And that's bike lock and helmet, not just the bike yep. lock and the helmet. <laughs> yes. Three things, three things, three separate things, bike, all three things yes. together cost about a hundred dollars. Right. That's awesome. To have that money come in that day will be great. Yeah. All right. So everybody listening today is December 1st to you, even though it's not when we're recording it. <laughs> today is the day. Donate. Today is the day. Yep. Yeah. 24 hours. That's awesome. So you did this for two years and then you left the school and now do the nonprofit full-time? No, I started going places after. I did my GoFundMe campaign the last year I was teaching. Oh, like okay. Le- so that wasn't even, so this was like the, the springboard for you to do the yeah, nonprofit yeah. this first year with I, Juwan and, and okay. 
I had no anticipation that I this would go beyond. I wish I could remember what reporter asked me in an interview because they deserve all the credit. They were like, what's next? And I said, what do you mean what's next? I'm done. I did it. I got the bikes. She's Katie, you have opened a window that has never been opened. And mm-hmm. it's this joy is a piece of our social emotional health. It is a basic need. And people overlook that when they think about charities. They think about the typical things of food, clothing, water, shelter, medical, all those things are still amazingly important and people should still give to them. But a child has grown up without joy. It can truly affect what type Mm -hmm. of adult they be. And that Mm -hmm. adult is going to stay in the community that we live in and be a contributing member. And if we can help that when they're a child, maybe they'll grow up and treat the community differently. I mean, we don't know. But to bring joy to a child's life, that helps. You're developing who you are as a person when you're a child. And if you are only experiencing sadness and trauma, that's affecting you and long-term. And so to bring some joy to them is huge. And really our social emotional health is a huge part of make what makes us who we are. So I think you know, we just found your shirt because I feel like her shirt needs to be joy as a basic need. Oh, yes. Boom. Boom. We, yeah, I do like that. Well, because we're, we're creating a t-shirt line. And so each oh. guest, we're like doing their own little shirt. And so I think that might have to be your quote yeah. on your shirt. Mm-hmm. So like it'll that. be the Katie. Yeah. Yep. Joy is a basic need. I love it. I love it. Going. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Going places. Yeah. Dash Katie. Yep. Love it. So love exciting. It. Boom. You're keeping yeah, track of these, right? I, I have a note on my phone. <laughs> That's why I'm on my phone. I'm totally listening to you. I was just writing the note like, of what your shirt is going to be. <laughs> please don't, like, because I'll go back and listen to the episode and pull the quote, but it's so much easier if you just write it down for me right now. <laughs> I did. I, I did. Be I got you, girl. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, so I didn't, I left teaching and I, my, I had always wondered if I should leave teaching. I found, I didn't feel like I was changing lives at the guided reading table. It was on the playground when kids chose not to play, but hang out with me and talk and be silly. And that's when I thought, gosh, like this is, I feel like I'm wasting time in the classroom. I'm connecting with them out here. And so I just was ready to leave. And this was the perfect thing that talk about things happening the way they're supposed to. So I launched, you know, I had this national following, thank goodness. We had all this extra money in the account, seed money. So I was able to get paid my salary from day one and start this. So it was the 2016, 17 school year. I was doing the GoFundMe campaign while teaching. And then the minute that ended, I was done. I turned in my resignation and I have been running this um, as my full-time job ever since. But then, as you mentioned, I did start, because I'm not busy enough, another company. Um, called just Katie Blumquist LLC. And it's where I do keynote speaking because through my nonprofit and everything, I found I love nothing more than talking on stage, speaking on camera. I just, I love it. And when I know what I'm talking about, I can do it really well. (laughs) And I know everything about my nonprofit, so I can speak about it really well. But the other side of that is I have an online course where I teach people how to start their own nonprofits through one-on-one coaching and I take you step-by-step through the first seven months of starting your nonprofit over 18 lessons. So it takes all that guesswork out for you. Not everyone is able to leave their job and do this full time. And even if they did, most people have a family at home to tend to. 
I don't and I didn't. And so I've worked till I've put in the work till midnight every night for months and months on end. I've figured I've learned the hard way things. I want to give people here. This is what you should do. Don't do this. Do this way. This is what works. I've made something go viral and I've kept up with national media every year flying in to continue to cover us, which never happens. And so I want to teach people what I'm doing that other people are not doing. And Mm -hmm. they're simple things, but there's just a certain formula to this. And it's something that why waste time and why not start making a difference in the community right now in your first year, not wait five years to get your nonprofit where you want it to be. Love it. No, it's, it's, yeah. Like it's so much energy to, that's being put forth to doing so much good. That to me is what's overwhelming. So I knew about the bikes when I said, you're going to make me cry. It's legitimately tears in my eyes because I didn't know about those other programs and the impact and the ripple effect that you're having in these communities. And then with other people who also want to do good. Yep. It's so cool seeing teams. I have so many people reaching out to me right now because we have to build all 455 bikes. We have to load all of them into trailers, unload them, and then set them up at the school. My parents and I can't do that by ourselves. Like, (laughs) I, that's, I heavily rely on the community for this help. It's so cool to see teams of people reach out to me from their companies and are saying, oh, I want to bring my child because I want them to experience this. Can they come and have people just show up to help is just the coolest thing ever. So if anyone wants to come help build bikes and you live in the Charleston area, we (laughs) definitely, and to come to the bike reveals. And unfortunately this year, the kids have to stay in the classrooms. Mm -hmm. The way the bikes usually work are we unload all of them. So it's 400, 500 bikes unloaded and we cover them with these huge tarps. And then the kids all come outside and they have no idea why they're outside. And I say a few things in the microphone and then they lift the tarps up, revealing the bikes, hence we call it bike reveal. Lift the tarps up and the kids freak out. Kids have fallen no, to the I'm ground. I'm going to start crying again. <laughs> I've worked up every time I talk about it too. Uh, yeah. They literally fall to the ground shaking because they're like, I can't, I get that. Like they don't. And what's funny is like a lot of them don't even understand in the moment. They're just like, oh, school got new bikes. Like they don't get it because no one's ever given them something like this. And it's not until they go back into their classrooms and they're like, wait, what? And that's mine. (laughs) And so I try really hard in the microphone to be like, what's under these tarps is a present for you. You get to take this home. This is not for your school. This is for you because I want them to get it because it's just, it's so cool. And then hearing the stories of parents when they come pick up these bikes, they're like, where's that Katie? Where's that Katie? I need to hug her. And they are just like this, this horrible, heartbreaking stories parents have said to us when they come pick up their bikes of what something horrible they've gone through and what this bike is going to mean for their children or they have five kids in that school and they never would have been able to provided them with something like this. And now they all have a bike and it's just, you give them hope. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. the, it's so much more than just the bike. Yeah. You've given them hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our hashtag is spread joy. And so we hope that when we give Ah, these, ah. hashtag spread joy, I'm writing it it down right now, Katie. That's what we hope (laughs) these kids will do. When because of the gift they received, we hope that they can in turn spread joy 
to somebody else in whatever way they're able. Love it. So this year, the bike reveal will be the kids will all stay in their classrooms or if they're at home on virtual school and we'll still be at the school with volunteers setting up the bikes like we normally do, but we're going to have a live YouTube channel going. So anyone in the country can watch, but you'll just see us revealing the bikes. And then the kids, we're going to have a photographer and I'm hoping they'll allow us to have a videographer in one of the classrooms, capturing the kids watching on their big smart board as they watch live. And then five kids will come outside and we'll put that on our our live too. And they'll get to ride the bikes because usually we have 20 kids that are pre-selected that get to stay outside and the rest go inside and they get to ride the bikes. But this year, just to minimize people, we'll just have five kids come out and they'll get to ride the bikes and be photographed and all that. It's not the same, but the most important thing is the kids get the bikes. It's really exciting watching them get it. And that part is, I just, I want to find a way to let the public see at least that one classroom getting the bikes. Cause that's just such a, that's what's so exciting. So maybe we'll be able to do two cameras. Like first you'll watch it live. And then a few minutes later, we'll cut to the video of the kids watching it and screaming. I have to make sure we'll have the still logistics to figure out, but either way you'll get to see it after the fact of how excited they are. That's so, Joe, is that yeah. possible to do a split screen for them? Would a video person be able to do like a split screen and show the reveal and the reaction at the same time? Uh, I'm not sure. We're asking our producer because he knows these things. I'm just thinking too of like, (laughs) even if it's, I'm thinking Zoom room where it's like one, (laughs) two, where it's like you be in this Zoom account, you be in that Zoom account, but it's all gallery view. (laughs) Joe says it's possible. Um, So your video people should say it's possible. I'm like, we digress. (laughs) All right. Not far I'm still been, we only were approved two weeks ago for this. So this has happened. I've, there's been a lot of logistics with me figuring out different trucking companies, picking up things and arriving certain days and volunteers coming and warehouse schedules and school schedules. It's crazy. So I haven't gotten that far as to, okay, now I need a tech guy to help me figure out the this split video. screen. Yeah. Katie, we love what you're doing and we are happy and excited to support you. And we are now going to throw you into the lightning round. (laughs) So here on the Girls Who Do Stuff, we do this fun thing called the lightning round where we rapid fire questions at you and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh boy. Okay. (laughs) I'll give you an easy one to start out. What is your favorite place in the world? Being by the water. I support that wholeheartedly. Pool, <laughs> ocean, lake, I don't care. I just like water. All right. How do you unwind? How do I unwind? Oh, drinking wine. I thought you said wine when you said, I said, what kind of wine do you like? Rosé. I like to, my favorite thing, the, be mindless. Drink wine and watch TV. Yes, that's my girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not a book reader, so it's TV. Yes. <laughs> so I will not ask you, what is She's, your number one favorite book? She is my people. <laughs> yes. What show are you binging now? Oh, so I just discovered Designated Survivor, which <gasps> I'm late to the party on. You are very and late to that party. It's so good. It's also mirroring what's happening right now in our country. There was like yeah. a pandemic. It's, oh my gosh. Okay, so it's I won't a- be watching that right now then is what you're saying. I'm right. sticking to my Hallmark channel that makes me feel good yes. inside. Okay. <laughs> don't take don't take Sarah away from her Hallmark channel exactly. unless it's for Outlander. 
Oh, goodness. Or The Last Kingdom. Yes. Mm. What does success look like to you? It's to me, success is, has several components, but basically accomplishing what I want to accomplish. I'm not there yet, but I still feel like I'm successful. But the finance, the financial part on my end hasn't supported that. So I think I'm in that step one of I'm actually making an impact. We're at the point where people are reaching out to me because they want to give or they want to help, which is that first level of success. And we're making an impact. But I think once it's for me, success will be we're in cities all over the country. My LLC and my course have taken off and I'm feeling more financially stable. So all those things at once happen. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yep. What is something no one knows about you? Something no one knows. I have never been sung by a bee. I've never had chicken pox or broken a bone. Interesting. Those are very... Those are three like very unique, interesting yes. things. Mm, okay. Yeah. Like yes. It. What I are you afraid of? No, when I was a kid, because my doctors, you could die if you get it now. So <laughs> once I was like 10. <laughs> That's good. We support you know, vaccines at Girls when, Against I was stuff. Kid, when we were kids, everyone had the chicken pox. No one had right. the vaccine. It was like a right. normal part of life. So I guess I say that now people are like, no one has chicken pox. But when we were all growing up, you all, yeah. we all got the Box. Right. Yeah, totally. And you're too young for this, but like my sister and brother did the chicken pox parties. Like all the kids would get the chicken pox I'm, in the neighborhood. Yeah, I'm 38. Really? I'm a lot older than people think. <laughs> that is something no one knows about you. I legitimately did not know that. What? Yeah. What, she's 38. Shut up. I know. Lies. She, I'm going to need to see the birth certificate because I don't believe that at all. <laughs> March. I, it's a good skincare routine. I get I get laser treatments to my face every month for two years. I've been doing that. Nice. Wear sunscreen. Use beauty counter. Always always take care of my skin. Nice. <laughs> Legitimately, y'all. Like you'll wa- you'll go back and look at the cover and be like, "Fuck no!" Right. She looks like she's in her twenties. I'm like, "Oh, she's 28." Right. <laughs> oh my god. 37 for a few more months. All right. <laughs> What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of dying. How I'm going to die. <laughs> That's my If you too. had your choice, like if you had your choice of how to go out, how would you go out? In my sleep, duh. All right. I'm just saying, but there would have to be some kind of like reason why, right? Would it be heart attack? Like, like a heart attack in their sleep or something. All right. Yeah. I want kidney failure because you just go to what? sleep and- <laughs> All the toxins build up and you just go to sleep and then that's it. That, I'll do that. If you, like, I'm serious because heart attacks could be painful. But if I would rather go away that's not going to be painful and that's going to make me delirious and funny to those around me. And then okay, I'm just going to go to sleep. You have thought this through I totally way thought this through. too much. I used to work on like hospice units and like palliative care units and people, places where people died. Oh my God. Okay. So or, or ask her like something fun. Ask her about her favorite, her, her <laughs> arena anthem. Oh my God. We. <laughs> I'm just saying if I'm telling you, if y'all want a painless way to die, that's the way to go. Okay. Joy. Um, joy. We're all joy, 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 joy. Okay, okay. So we've had our rosé and we're binge watching Friends or Designated Survivor or The Office or whatever. So what do you geek out about? What do I geek out about? I, oh, I get really into murder stuff. Like if it's so <laughs> terrible, but like, I love the murder podcast, but I get really into if there's like a, 
a shark attack. I have to know every detail and I want to like see it and I want to hear a video about the person afterwards. <laughs> so when there's like, some sort of tragedy, like I want to know, it's really any tragedy. I want to know every detail, but then I think about it and I cry about it and, but I'm obsessed about it. So I, I think this like, is our best lightning round ever. This is the most really epic lightning like, round we've ever I had. I totally enjoy it. This is amazing. <laughs> All righty. You want to give her the last two? No, I'm not ready for the last two yet. Hold well, on. We got time a ticking. I know, but we got time for like at least three more questions. <laughs> Did we ask the bucket list? What's the number one thing on your bucket list? Oh, I really want to see the Northern Lights in Iceland. I think that would be one of the coolest things ever. And I know people that have gone there and done it. And and I want to go in one of those ice bars where you have to like wear that big coat and everything's ice. Mm. Yeah. Did you watch the Zac Efron documentary series on Netflix? No. Oh, yeah. No, totally watch that. Okay. Totally watch that. It's, yeah. Like, you can even just go to the Iceland episode if you want mm -hmm. to. Yeah, just yeah. go to the Iceland. I support that too. When are we planning that trip? Let's plan, yeah, that trip. Um, Let's plan that trip. If they allow us in Iceland. Let's go. All right. Sounds good. And all right. So if your um, life story was made into a movie, who would play you? Probably Reese Witherspoon. Uh, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, totally. I was going to go with a blonde Mandy Moore too. I can see that too. I, mm, Mandy I Moore. All the time when I was in high school, Alicia Silverstone and I looked a yeah. lot alike. Yep. Mm -hmm. So yep, probably I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that too. But yeah, if your life had a theme song, what would it be? Oh gosh, oh I don't know. This one's really hard. I need. I. What's yours? I don't remember, Joe. What did I say? <laughs> X gonna give it to you by DMX. I think that's what you said. <laughs> oh, um, I love it. I, I, my mind is like literally blank. I don't know. It's all right. One of our guests, actually, our previous guest was like totally on the spot, couldn't think of it. And then she emailed me later that night and was like, <laughs> it's Justin Timberlake. Can't stop the feeling. I was like, okay, I can see that. But now we have no way to get into the episode. Don't you? <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anything. Oh, maybe I know that song from The Greatest Showman where it's like, this is me. This, this is, is me. me. Oh, yes, yes, girl. Yes. Yes. I feel like I've lost a lot of friends along the way while start doing my nonprofit. It's been like jealousy things and a lot of weird, shocking people who just didn't like the attention I was getting. And it's my, my motto always has been take me as I am or don't take me at all. And that song reminds me of that. It's this yeah. is who yes. I am. Yes. 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 We're yeah, we're supposed to be friends because I want that to be my entrance song for my 40th birthday party mm -hmm. bash. That's what I want. Yeah. I have this very well, vivid vision of that. Okay. Yeah. No, totally. I totally Live rock out band, to that. Like, and then I want to be hitting the drums yeah. in that one very specific drum part where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> like I have the whole thing. The Greatest Showman no. soundtrack is like my guilty pleasure. Like yes. sing in the car, yes. have it blasted, so volume up. I don't give a shit who's watching me. Like, yes. yes. All right. Whenever yeah. I look at a karaoke or dueling piano plays, my request is anything Greatest Showman. Like just. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh. oh, it's amazing. Yes. All right. All so right. Katie. Tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can find all the info about Going Places. They can go to goingplacesnonprofit.org. Love it. And what about social media handles? 
Yep. So our social media is always updated before our website. So that's usually the quickest way and most up-to-date information. But Instagram, it's going underscore places underscore nonprofit. And on Facebook, it's at going places nonprofit. So those are the two biggest ones. You can find me on LinkedIn at Katie Blumquist. Message me on any website, social media, LinkedIn. It's always me that responds. (laughs) We've already established she's the only employee. Yes. So she will answer you. Yes. Thank you, Katie, for the joy that you are infusing into so many lives Mm -hmm. and for bringing us joy today. We loved having you on. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I had a really great time. This flew by. It right? did. It did. Yes, I know. It always does. So Katie, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Find us at girlswhodostuff.com on all the social media, Girls Who Do Stuff, and DM us, share us, rate us. We will answer you because it's only just us. Yeah. <laughs> True. Business, party of one. For our case, party of two. But that's it. So thank you so much. I am Jenny Midgley. I'm Sarah Madras. And, and you, you do, do you, boo. boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media.